We're reading this morning from Proverbs chapter 3. Would you please stand with me in honor of the reading of God's word? My son, do not forget, forget my teaching, but let your heart keep my commandments. For length of days and years of life and peace they will add to you. Do not let kindness and truth leave you. Bind them around your neck. Write them on the tablet of your heart. So you will find favor and good repute in the sight of God and man. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him, and he will make your path straight. Do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and turn away from evil. It will be healing to your body. And all of God's people said, You may be seated. As I looked over this passage this week, or really for the last several weeks, I thought, how can I challenge the families in our church? And I know some of you are saying, well, Pastor, are we doing a Father's Day message? Because we really didn't do a Mother's Day sermon. And so I do want to go ahead and tell you that right now, what I want to do today is speak to us as families, both as fathers and mothers and children, and all of us as the children of God. And so what I want to talk to us about this morning I think is crucial to our times. How many of you notice that we live in an age of moral confusion? All right, we don't know, I mean, as a people, as a society, we don't know up from down or left from right. Uh, we can ask uh, leaders of our country, and they can't tell you what a woman is. All right? Uh, the Southern Baptist Convention met this past week, and there was a joke going around. Hey, they have to have a committee that's going to have to meet for another year to define what a pastor is. Now listen, there's a lot of problems with that. But what my point is this. We live in a day and age where we don't seem to know anything anymore. We all kind of just push it along, push it along, and we let things go. Well, here's what, I, I, this week I sat down, I read a study put out by UCLA. And the study was talking about the transgender movement. And I'm not trying to harp on that this morning, but it was just saying, listen, last couple of years, those numbers have gone up, particularly in the group, if you're between the ages of 13 and 17, the estimates of transgender children in that age group have doubled in the last few years. And as you begin to read that, it's not just that group, it's also the 18 to 25-year-old group. And I begin to wonder, how is it that we have gotten as a society where we're so confused on this issue? And there are some real issues there. Some real things that need to be discussed. I'm not trying to dis um, discuss. And it's not that I'm trying to be glib, not trying to just throw easy answers at us. But what I do understand is that something bigger is going on. And some medical doctors who are willing to push back a little bit are saying, you know, there's a trend. And some of this has become a fad. And listen, I, just anecdotally, a while back, we went to an amusement park. And at this amusement park, what I noticed is that if you, and it just happened to be the day where all the middle school bands were having their competition, and you can tell this is a trending thing to do, to make yourself look like neither man nor woman. And you begin to kind of wonder, why is this happening in our society? There's confusion. And here's the sad part. For years and years among transgender people, the suicide rate has been extremely high. And again, I don't say that glibly, and I'm not laughing about it, because we should mourn when there's any sort of tragedy like suicide, when there's a loss of precious life. 
But here's the thing. Now that we've kind of created an environment where we're saying, well, we're more supportive of these things, we would expect that the suicide rate would begin to go down, right? But it hasn't happened. And they're continuing to study this and look at it. But I want to suggest to you this morning that there's a bigger problem and that there's a deeper problem, a sin issue in our country that's not just in that movement. That's just one aspect of what's going on. But there's a bigger issue because suicide should not be normal, right? And yet it is. All right, let's move off of that topic. We all mourned recently, in recent days, with this Uvalde shooting in Texas, right? How many mass shootings have you seen and lived through? I mean, 22 people died just this, in this last one, but how many have we gone through? I can remember Columbine really well because that was, I was closer to them in age. And you just think this is going to stop, right? But there's some sort of culture of death in our country. And you say, well, what does this have to do with Father's Day? Because I think the best place to start in fighting back on this stuff, and I'm not talking about the different issues, but the bigger picture begins with an, in our home. It begins with our families. It begins with us training up our children. It begins with us saying, you know what? I will follow the Lord. Look down in Proverbs chapter 3. Look at verses 1 and 2 here. It says, My son, do not forget my teaching, but let your heart keep my commandments. For length of days and years of life and peace they will add to you. We just described a culture of death, a culture that is struggling. We have a culture where we really don't know what to do anymore. Everybody has some sort of uh, depression. I've had it. We all go through different seasons, the different hardships. You talk to anybody, try to find somebody that just says, I'm happy. I'm joyous. And I think we struggle with it sometimes because of everything. And we get overwhelmed with what's on TV. Turn off Fox News. Turn off CNN. I don't care which one you're watching. Sometimes you just got to turn it off and get back to the basics, right? Well, in verse 1, is an image of a father training up his children, teaching his children. And go back in your mind to a simpler day. A day when, when it wasn't, well, I'm going to go to school from the time I'm three or four until the time I'm 25. They would learn, and they would begin learning at home. And when they were old enough, they would begin to perhaps accompany their parent, their father, and begin to learn his trade. They would learn technical skills. They would also learn how to do life. If the father was a man of integrity, guess what he was going to learn from his father? How to be a man of integrity. If his, if his father knew how to handle people and talk to people in a way that was, was both wise and gentle and, and godly, guess what they were going to learn? Those same manners, right? They were going to learn those same mannerisms, those same truths. But we have this teaching here. It says, My son, do not forget my teaching, but let your heart keep my commandments. Now, some of you are saying again, well, I know it's Father's Day, but we didn't have a Mother's Day sermon. Uh, flip over to chapter 6, Proverbs chapter 6 in your Bible. Look down at verse 20. It says, My son, observe the commandment of your father. Do not forsake the teaching of your mother. You guys hear that? That's repeated in a couple of different places in Proverbs. It is not just the teaching of your father, your earthly father, but also your mother. And here's what we get in Proverbs. You guys know what a proverb is? 
It's not a promise. Proverbs are things that are generally true. When we read Proverbs, it is God teaching us how life works best. In other words, in a normal situation, if you would follow these things, these things are going to be true. These will add blessings and life to you. And so you should follow them. But they're not promises. So look down at verse 2. Because here's what it says. If you would just keep my commandments, verse 2 says, For length of days and years of life and peace they will add to you. Well, number one, right off the bat, I think there's some exceptions to this proverb, isn't there? You only have to go to Christ. You only have to look to Jesus. We can say that Christ followed the instructions. He followed the commandments, but he died a criminal's death on a cross at a fairly early age, didn't he? And so we can't say, well, God's word has failed because this proverb didn't come true, because this isn't a promise. We all know that there are times where we go through times of suffering and affliction and trouble and hardship. And again, in our study in 1 Peter, we will come up against those uh, several times. But what I want to tell you today is this. There is, though, this proverb, there is this truth that in general, if you would let your heart keep God's commandments, not just the commandments of your father, but God's commandments, what does it say here? They will add length of days and years of life and peace they will add to you. Isn't that what we need in our culture a little bit? That we have a culture of death where suicide is high among multiple different groups, including our veterans. And so you begin to look at this and go, what is the solution? Let your heart keep my commandments. And length of days and years of life, they will add to you in peace. Peace there is the, the Hebrew word shalom. Right? It's the, this idea that we would have wholesomeness, that we would be whole, mind, body, and soul, that we're healthy inside and out. And so all that is combined into that. And we're going to see some practical ways we get that peace. But number one, it just begins with your relationship with the Lord. And so that's critical for us, and it's critical for a culture that is struggling. Look down at verse 7. I want you to see more about how the Word gives us life and following God. If we would just live with Him and walk with Him, we would have more life. Verse 7 says, Do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and turn away from evil. It will be healing to your body, refreshment to your bones. You guys hear that? Do you hear the message that's, that's in that? If, if we want to be wise in our own eyes and think we have the solution, and let's be honest, as a society today, we are very wise in our own eyes. We think we've got it all figured out. And I keep asking myself, are we really advancing as a people? We think we are. We think we have, well, well this book is outdated, right? Like, this is just dusty. It's old. They didn't know the things that we know when they wrote it. And so it can't be right. But the result, the fruit of our modern culture is death. Because the wages of sin is death. And it always has been. But here we see this promise. If you would not be wise in your own eyes, in other words, if you would listen to the instruction, it says, fear the Lord. That is the same as we would honor and revere Him, respect His authority that He's right, just as a child should His Father. It says, if you would follow the Lord, turn away from evil, it would be healing to your body refreshment to your bones. You know, I think they understood something that we struggle with, and we're just now figuring out. 
Do you guys know that, that things in our mind affects our health? You guys know that, right? Anxiety. When I go to the doctor, my blood pressure goes through the roof. Okay? To go with the International Mission Board, I ha you have to pass these medical screenings. And the first time I went, I was 20-something-year-old, and they're like, well, your blood pressure is really high. And I thought, what in the world? I didn't, I didn't know I had high blood pressure. And they're like, well, maybe you can get on some medication, and you know, you'll be fine. And I'm thinking, I'm 20-something years old. At the time, I didn't weigh more than 150 pounds. And I just thought, how in the world is this possible, right? So I kept going back to the doctor. And finally, he said, listen, we're going to take your blood pressure, and I want you to just go sit in that room over there, and I'll do it again in a few minutes. And he did. And you know what? After that, he discovered, hey, your blood pressure is fine, man. You're just scared of doctors. <laughs> I didn't know I was scared, but my body did. Our bodies react to things. And I think when we fall into sin, when we flee from God instead of turning to Him, and we live out those sinful desires, I think it begins to create all kinds of things in here. Doubt, fear, worry, envy, strife, jealousy, all those things. You know what? They affect our bodies. And He tells us here, listen, if you would turn away from evil, it would be healing to your body refreshment to your bones it's not just there look at verse 15 it talks about wisdom being more precious than jewels nothing you desire compares with her listen to verse 16 long life is in her right hand in her left hand are riches and honor her ways are pleasant ways and all her paths are peace she is a tree of life to those who take hold of her and happier those who hold her fast you guys hear the language again it's it's the same idea it's if you would hold on to wisdom, and with, by wisdom we mean we're going to fear the Lord and walk with Him. You guys know what the difference between knowledge and wisdom? Knowledge is information, and we put it in our head. Wisdom is being able to apply that knowledge to real life. In other words, why do we want our parents to learn from fathers and mothers? Not just because the parents have the information, but we hope that they have some of the experience to go with it, right? They've been applying this to their lives, and they can then train up their children in the way that they should go because they have both the information and the practical knowledge. But we see that here. It says, if you would just hold to wisdom, her, she's more precious than jewels. If you would follow God and, and work out this knowledge in your life, she would be a tree of life to those who take hold of her. Happier those who hold her fast. And so fathers and, and mothers, we have to live with wisdom. And we have to commit to following His commandments. Look down at verse uh, 22. Oh, go to verse 21. It says, My son, talking about wisdom and God's instructions, let them not vanish from your sight. Keep sound wisdom and discretion, so they will be life to your soul and adornment to your neck. Then you will walk in your way securely. Your foot will not stumble. We'll stop there, but... Do you hear what it said? It's going to be an adornment to you. It's going to be like an ornament to you. It's going to be beautiful. But it, you, you'll have all of this, but it will be life to your soul. Church, we need that kind of healing today. And we don't get it from society. We don't get it from the culture. We don't get it from the wisdom of this world. We get it from looking at what God has already revealed and given to us. At the very beginning, let your heart keep my commandments, is what he said. Now, 
I do want to talk a little bit about the practical side of this. Because part of the peace that we get, again, is simply from following Him and committing to trusting in Him. But there's some practical things. This is why I love Proverbs. It really does teach us how life works best. I want you to consider something. If you turn into Proverbs chapter 6 again, look down at verse 6. He gives us some practical wisdom. You want peace in your life a little bit. This is what he says. Go to the ant, O sluggard. Observe her ways and be wise, which having no chief officer or ruler prepares her food in the summer and gathers her provision in the harvest. How long will you lie down, O sluggard? When will you arise from your sleep? A little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to rest. Your poverty will come in like a vagabond, and you like an armed man, and your need like an armed man. Do you hear what he's saying there? There's some practical wisdom that says you prepare ahead of time. And that Proverbs teaches us, listen, as God says, follow my instructions. He says, listen, that means sometimes you've got to work hard. And you're going to have, you want to have peace at night? Well, some of that comes from knowing you've done what God has asked you to do. You've done your best to prepare. But we also know that sometimes disaster happens anyway, don't we? And so what we learn in Proverbs is that when those days come, not only did we, were we faithful in the meantime, we've learned to trust in what God has taught us. We've learned to trust in His goodness and His character and His kindness. And so we can follow Him even so. One last thing to say I want to say about this peace and the health that it can bring to us. How many of you ever have trouble sleeping at night? All right. Now, for some of us, it's just because old age and hormones and things begin changing. It makes it hard to sleep, right? For others, it's anxiety and worry. It's fear. It's the, the worry about all the things that go on in life. I remember I was in high school. And my brother and I began to have discussions about, is there a God or not? Because we didn't know. And we were trying to figure out what heaven was like, if there was one, and if there was a God, what does he want from us? And you know what? I began to be afraid. And I remember for over a year struggling to sleep. And you wouldn't think that of a a 15-year-old boy, would you? And I remember at the time we were doing weightlifting and agility training before school for football practice, my coach picked me up at 4.50 a.m. three days a week. And I remember sometimes at 1 o'clock in the morning just sitting there going, why can't I go to sleep? Why do I have all this on my mind? I can't shut it down. And I know it doesn't always work this way. But the day I met the Lord and I gave my life to Him, I slept like a baby. And to this day, and my wife is nodding her head, I sleep like a baby because there's peace. There's, there's life. And I know now in the one that I believed in, that I've entrusted my soul to a good and faithful creator. And so there's life in it. Look down at verse, Proverbs chapter 3, verse 23 says, If we'll do this, then you walk in your way securely. Your foot will not stumble When you lie down, you will not be afraid. When you lie down, your sleep will be sweet. Do not be afraid of sudden fear, nor of the onslaught of the wicked when it comes. For the Lord will be your confidence and will keep your foot from being caught. 
Isn't that a beautiful blessing? And what it's saying is if you will just arrange your life and get your priorities set and say, you know what, no, come what may, I'm going to follow the commandments of my God. And you simplify things. You don't need some kind of program for this. It's just going back, actually, to a simpler time and saying, you know what, I don't need all the extra peripheral stuff. I want to follow the Lord. And that's what I'm going to do. And I'm going to teach my children that this is what the Lord means to me. And the Lord has called me to live this way, and I'm going to live it. And if you would act with integrity, as we find in, the, in this book, and if we would walk with Him and trust, at the end of the day, you know what we get out of that? Peace from being right with God. We already have the true peace that's been bought for us on the cross, and so that takes care of the sin problem. But listen, we still want to live wisely. We still want to live in a way that we see God's blessings. And these blessings come through walking with Him and not through uh, running the path of evil. We're going to go through one last section here. Look at verse, back to verse 3. It says, Do not let kindness and truth leave you. Bind them around your neck. Write them on the tablet of your heart, so you will find favor and good repute in the sight of God and man. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge Him, and He will make your paths straight. As he makes all these promises, he says in verse 3, don't let kindness and truth leave you. Your version, your Bible may say loving kindness and truth. It may say love and truth. It may say mercy and truth. And the reason it does that is the Hebrew word hesed, right? And it's a beautiful word. And it means God's, normally it means God's covenantal, faithful, loving kindness. That he shows us his love and mercy even when we don't deserve it because of his good character and his promise. But we are to hold on to mercy and love and truth, to walk with integrity, to put it, it says, hold that, um, to bind them around your neck. You know, for the Hebrew mind, the neck was the seat of life. That's where it was all at. You know why? Because if something happens to your neck, it's over. And so they viewed it that way, and he said, bind it around your neck, not just as a necklace, but make it your life. Write it on the tablet of your heart. Write it in there. Put God's word in your heart. Choose to say, I'm going to follow this all my days. Verse 4 says, so you will find favor and good repute in the sight of God and man. Now again, Proverbs are not promises. Is it possible that you could say, you know what, I'm going to follow God no matter what. I'm going to show love and mercy. I'm also going to show truth. You guys know that love doesn't preclude truth, right? Sometimes we think that we can't be loving or merciful if we ignore the hard truths. It's not loving or merciful to ignore sin, to fail to teach what God has revealed to us. And I want you to know that the people that are hurting in this community, they're being fed a bunch of lies. And they need truth. And it is loving and merciful and good to speak truth to them. Now, you've got to do it kindly. You've got to do it with humility. The scripture says you better take the log out of your eye before you start messing with the speck of sawdust in theirs. You've got to watch yourself. You've got to be careful. You've got to go to them with love and with humility. But what we want to do is to help those who are hurting. Listen, there are lonely people 
in this world that need you to reach out to them. There's lonely children down the street from you that are wondering what in the world this life is like. You might be able to reach them. They could be the next mass shooter because death is at work in them and we don't know. But what it says here is that normally if you would be a person of love and mercy and truth, you'll find favor with people. And I think in general that's true. People want a good neighbor, don't they? You want a neighbor that's upright. You want a neighbor that you can trust his word. You want a neighbor that is good to you. And so normally if you are that good neighbor, you love God and you love them, guess what? You ordinarily will find good repute with the people. But when you don't, guess what? You've still earned favor in the sight of God, who is pleased by the way that we would live So men, fathers, mothers, children, the challenge today is this. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Don't lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge Him. Put His truth first. Put it out there. And He will make your path straight. He will give you life and refreshing and healing to your bones If you'll just say, you know what, Lord, I want to come after you. And if Forest Heights Baptist Church is going to be a light in this community, if we're going to be salt, then guess what? It's real simple. It's not hard. You people here, almost every one of you, have already been saved and baptized. You've been declared to be right with God. And all it's asking today is this, Father, in my heart, Help me keep your commandments. It's that simple. It's a great promise. Now, men, I, I tell you this. It's, I would love to say I've got this all figured out. And I don't. Being a father is hard. Training up children. Some of you have a lot of experience that, that I need to hear. I need to hear from you. And there's challenges that go along with it. But there's also just the simple. Teach them your character. Teach them what God expects of them. You know, there's a beautiful thing about Proverbs. There's 31 chapters. And there's 31 days in some month and 30 in the others. And So what you could do is you could just take it and read it. One chapter a day. How can I live? We make something about teaching our children the Bible so much harder, I think, than it has to be sometimes. We have this expectation when we could just get together and talk about what the Lord's doing we could sing hymns together to help us learn theology and learn truths in a way that is, that is pleasing to God, a way that's easy to remember. We could read the Bible together. We could be faithful to discipline our children. And church, I need you to help me with that. I need you to pray for me as a father, just as I need to be praying for you as fathers and mothers and children. We need to be helping each other and encouraging one another. I'm going to leave it with this today as we go, come into our time of invitation. There's such great promise. There's life in the Scriptures, life in following with Him. It's that simple. Turn off the news. Turn off all your fear about the next election. Because guess what? That election is not going to solve these problems. Our faith isn't in politicians. And I say all that telling you over and over again, be good citizens. 
Vote. Be the best citizens. In fact, I'm telling you to speak up. Take part in the school board. Participate in your community. Speak truth and do it kindly. Do it with love and mercy. Do it bathed in prayer. But let's be men who decide right now that we're going to walk with the Lord no matter what. So that when the situation is thrown out and we find ourselves in the midst of that storm, we already know this is going to be the standard. There's life here. And there's not life anywhere else. Let's pray. Father, I pray for this church. I pray for these men and these women and pray for all the families that are here today. Father, I pray as, as we think about this culture that we live in, all the struggles and all the, that we see and we think sometimes, Lord, this is the end time. Come, Lord Jesus. And Father, we struggle with that. But Father, the truth is these are the struggles of every generation. From Paul's day, from Jesus' day until now, Father, sin has been rampant on this earth. Father, we have gone through struggles and we, as a culture, sometimes embrace death. So often, Father, we do not hold on to the words of life. Father, I pray that this day would be a day where we make our choices, where we tell you, Father, or rather that you would write in our hearts your commandments and instructions to us, that we would walk together with you, that we would find healing and refreshment for our bodies, that your word would be a tree of life, not just to us, but to the lost in this community. Father, give us wisdom on how we should live and give us wisdom on how we should make your name known to those in this community. Father, I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.